everyone, welcome to Antibodies. This is our 11th episode in the Immunology 101 series, a segment where we teach immunology. Joining me today is Dara from University of Paris Saclay. Hello. And Natalie from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center. Hi. How are you guys doing today? Oh, living the dream. Doing great. Nothing better than recording a podcast on Saturday evening. It's <laughs> <laughs> afternoon okay. for me. Oh yeah, that's that's only evening for Dara. Yes. Okay, in the last episode, we talked about the process of B cell development in the bone marrow and how a stem cell decides to become a B cell inside the bone marrow. It would be useful to, to listen to that episode first if you haven't already. Meanwhile, Dara, can you help me review what all we learned in the last episode? Sure, Jatin. So first we learned that inhibitopoietic stem cells bound for a B cell fate. The transcription factor IKRAS, PU1, and E2A participate in the earliest stages of B lineage development. PU1 guides the cell in the direction of a lymphoid lineage, and then IKRAS recruits chromatin remodeling complexes to ensure the accessibility of B cell related genes. E2A expression regulates cell cycle control. And then we learned that IL-7 receptor signaling along with some other factors in the bone marrow induces EBF1 or the early B-cell factor 1 which is required for the later steps in the B-cell differentiation pathway. Next, B-cell precursors progress through an ordered series of developmental steps in the bone marrow before reaching maturity, a way to classify these developing B-cells at each stage of their uh, development is through high diffraction analysis where B cells are classified based on the uh, expression of CD30, CD43, BP1, and CD24. And lastly, we learned that B cells can be rendered specifically unresponsive by processes like bone deletion and energy. Once this B cell has developed in the bone marrow, we can call it an immature B cell. However, uh, its journey is not complete here. The next step in the life of a B cell will take place in the spleen, and that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Hey, uh, guys, before we start, do you want to hear a, a very cute fact? Sure. sure. Uh, did you know that actually the spleen, in addition to its role in you know B cell development, plays an essential role in making friends? Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's full of pals. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, if you don't know what PALS are, don't worry. Uh, we'll be covering that a little bit later on. But suffice it to say, uh, it's a really important part of splenic ar- architecture. So this is, in fact, a joke. That's a very technical joke, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Judson, can you tell us uh, how does a B-cell exit the bone marrow? What is the mechanism behind this? That's an excellent question. Oh, we talked about how the B cells develop into this immature B cell in the bone marrow before. These immature B cells start expressing a chemokine receptor called S1PR or sphingosine 1-phosphate receptor. This receptor allows the B cells to migrate towards its ligand which is S1P or sphingosine 1-phosphate. Can you guess which type of cells express S1P? 
Hmm, now I'm curious which types of cell to express this 1P. I'll name one very important cell type here. The red blood cells are known to store and release S1P. Since the bloodstream is full of RBCs, there is plenty of S1P in the bloodstream to attract these immature B cells to leave the bone marrow and continue their adventure. These immature B cells in the blood are called transitional B cells. And researchers have classified these transition B cells into three categories, T1, T2, and T3 B cells. This classification is based on the kind of protein markers they express on their surface. Let's begin talking about the two well-studied transition B cell types first, the T1 and the T2 B cells. Natalie, can you tell us something about these two types of transition B cells? Uh, yeah, sure. Just as youths transition through phases in their personality before finally settling into who they really are, so too do B cells go through T1 and T2 before becoming fully mature. If you wanted to characterize T1 from T2, you might notice that compared to T1 B cells, T2 have more uh, membrane immunoglobulin D, that's IgD expression, as well as CD21, which serves as both a complement receptor and a BCR co-receptor. Now, T2 B cells also express that BAF receptor, and BAF is B cell activating factor, which is actually an important TNF family cytokine that promotes B cell survival. If I wanted to remember one marker to identify transition B cells from their mature state, what, what should it be, Natalie? I guess if you wanted to use just one protein to distinguish a B cell from transition to mature state, I would say the level of surface IgD is a pretty good measure. You mm -hmm. would observe a pretty low expression in T1 B cells, like an intermediate expression in the T2 B cells, and then a higher expression on the mature B cells. Hey, uh, I also have a question. You said the T2 B cells express BAF receptor to receive this uh, growth factor called BAF. I want to know who is making the BAF for these B cells. So uh, it's actually stromal cells which are a part of connective tissues that you're going to find not only in the lymphoid, but also non-lymphoid organs. And they can pretty much make BAF under the right circumstances. Uh, in fact, certain dendritic cell types can also make BAF for B cell survival. So uh, a recent paper from Gentique and colleagues in 2020 showed that bacterial byproducts can induce BAF production inside dendritic cells. So, I mean, that's one way that dendritic cells could help in the survival of B cells. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Thanks for that. As these transitional B cells develop into mature B cells, they'll gradually lower their expression of IgM and lose expression of CD24 and CD93 entirely. The IgM somewhat follows a reverse expression pattern of IgD. You mean high IgM in T1 B cells and lower in mature B cells? Yeah, something like that. While it's fine to remember these like single marker expression for cell types, uh, we should be aware that you know a single marker isn't necessarily a reliable way to, to identify a cell, and that's why we use multiple markers when identifying anything, whether that be a B cell, a T cell, or uh, even non-immune cells like neurons. So uh, that was all the obligatory alphabet soup of immunology. But for those of you not laboring over your potential flow cytometry panels, here are the critical things you need to know about T1 and T2 B cells. So T1s will gradually become T2s, and T2s will eventually become a mature B cell. There's no skipping steps. This takes about three or four days and mostly occurs in the spleen. However, there are some exceptions, 
some B cells emerge from the bone marrow as T2s already. Would this even be a discussion about immunology if there weren't any exception? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs>、uh, however, <laughs> T2 B cells can also upregulate expression of some chemokine receptors. So it's T2s, but not the T1s,、um, that can recirculate in the lymphatics and enter B cell follicles in the secondary lymphoid organs like the spleen and lymph nodes. I have a question. Why do B cells want to go so badly in these lymphoid structures anyway? What could be the motive behind ending up in a lymphoid organ rather than just roaming in the bloodstream all the time? Well, I mean, I, I guess you can never answer the why question in biology because, you know, that suggests that we know, you know, <laughs> what the end point is going to be, but we can, we can still speculate.、Um, It may, it may be because like, the odds of finding the right antigen is pretty high in a lymphoid organ, since our lymphatic system makes sure that a sample of each corner in our body and its massive organ system reaches some lymphoid organ to screen for pathogens of their antigens. Which actually, if you want to know a fun fact,、uh, like, we have these mice and we tattoo their toes so we can tell which one the mice are. And the draining lymph node from that tattoo is always blue. Because you know, the, all, the, all the dendritic cells and all the macrophages and stuff are bringing like tattoo ink to the, the lymphatics. So, wow,、uh, <laughs> right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, so, <laughs>、uh, therefore, anyway, it is in the B cells and even a T cell's best interest to go into a lymphoid organ where it can find that antigen and feel good about itself by proliferating. It can finally achieve its purpose in life, which many other B cells will only be able to dream about as they carry out their mundane chores. And stare into the void that only an antigen can fill. <laughs> But that's deep, Natalie. <laughs> It really is. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, who remembers their splenic architecture?、Uh, nobody. Not me. Yeah, nobody. Huh. Uh, well, okay, the spleen has a red pulp that filters blood, and it has a white pulp for immune stuff. So the white pulp is made of three parts that's the periarteolar lymphoid sheath. Which we call PALS for short, the follicles, and the marginal zone. Oh, so that was the PALS you were talking、yes. about in our joke today. Yeah, exactly. So the periarteolar lymphoid sheath, as the name suggests, are concentric layers of cells around the arteries that run through the spleen. So within the PALS, lymph- lymphocytes will congregate into a structure called follicles, which usually have distinct B and T cell zones. And this is where germinal center structures will form after antigen recognition. So, we'll probably talk about germinal centers in a future episode. When I said that T1 cells become T2 in the spleen, this is the place. The T1 cells enter the spleen through the PALS, then they go through a kind of screening to make sure that they aren't autoreactive. Consider this pro- process analogous to what happens to thymocytes in the thymus. Uh, T1 B cells undergo negative selection in the PALS, so, i.e., those B cells that, are, that signal too strongly through their BCR actually go through apoptosis. In fact, we lose about half to three quarters of our transitional B cells this way. Whatever T1 B cells survive this screening will go into the follicle, where most of them will turn into T2 B cells. The cool thing is that T2 B cells can't die by antigen induced apoptosis, kind of like single positive thymocytes in the thymus. Is there a reason why T2 B cells cannot go through antigen induced apoptosis while the T1 B cells can?、Um, it may be due to increased expression of BCL XL in、uh, T2 B cells. 
So BCL-XL stands for B-cell lymphoma extra large, which does sound like my McDonald's order, but uh, actually its main job (laughs) is to prevent apoptosis inside the B-cells. As you can guess from the name, it's also found to be upregulated in certain types of lymphomas. In fact, BAF, the survival factor that we talked about before, also helps uh, to increase BCL-XL expression inside B-cells. And I mentioned that T2s express more BAF receptor than T1 B-cells, so that could probably explain the difference too. Thanks. Uh, What happens after the T2 cells have entered the follicle? So the follicle is also where most transitional T2 B-cells can become mature and enter back into the blood recirculation. However, some T2 B-cells enter the third space, the marginal zone, which I think is better than the twilight zone. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the marginal zone, it borders the red pulp and the pals, and some people think it should be like its own thing, considered its own thing. It's full of special types of macrophages and special B cells, which scan circulating blood for antigens and process down any antigens they encounter. Think like a giant TSA security line for blood. But I don't want to get too much into the uh, marginal zone B cells, as Jetton will tell us more about them later. What's also interesting is that signaling downstream of the BCR seems to change through these developmental stages, and we can actually measure that change by concentrations of calcium and diacycloglycerol, which is a lipid second messenger that helps to promote the actin cytoskeleton rearrangements, maturation, and survival of these B cells. In T1 B cells, if the BCR signaling is too strong, there's calcium release and low production of diacycloglycerol, and the T1 will die. But in the T2 B cell, you can have way more calcium and way more diacycloglycerol, but now they're going to live. So this is an interesting example of how drastically a cell can rewire its signals when it goes through a developmental stage. Hmm. So now I'm going to let you in on a secret, the typical super-specific antibody-producing B cell we immunologists love to talk about that we normally refer to as the B cell is actually called a B2 B cell or the follicular B cell. That the name B2 implies that there's also B1 B cells, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. There are three types of B cells after the T2 development stage: B1, follicular B, and then and then the marginal zone B cells. Jetson will talk about the B1 and marginal zone B cells later in this episode. And for now, if we focus on the B2 cells, I like that name because it reminds me of a B2 stealth bomber, uh, super strategic and high tech and These mature follicular B2 cells can enter the follicle and respond to antigen and culture and get the T-cell help and generate a specific robust antibody response. Of the nearly 20 million B-cells a little mouse makes every day, only 1% will ever become one of these elite mature follicular B-cells. Hey, I just recall that there was a third type of transitional B-cells called the T3. Uh, What do we know about that? Mm -hmm. Consider T3 as a type of B-cell that branches off of the T2 state. So instead of becoming a marginal zone or follicular B-cell, it goes off a different path. The problem is we do not know what the role of T3 B-cells in healthy human is. However, we know that we do know about these cells that uh, they are usually autoreactive. And these cells are... Uh, also implicated in certain autoimmune diseases. For instance, a study from Emory University from the lab of Jeremy Boss, they show that the T3 cells are often expanded in SLE patients. 
Jajin, can you tell us about B1 and Madrinoson B cells now? Sure. So far, we have discussed the transitional states and the development of mature uh, maturation of B2 or mature B2 or follicular B cells. Both are synonymous. However, the, there are other two important subsets that have been described that have different functions and are located in distinct anatomical locations. In the next session, we'll discuss the nature and biology of B1 and marginal zone B cells. B1 cells can be subdivided into B1A and B1B cells. Yeah, immunologists sure love making subsets out of everything. <laughs> this B1A and B1B subset is based on the expression of a surface marker called CD5. For the sake of this episode and keeping everything simple, we will only focus on B1A cells. These cells are phenotypically and functionally distinct from B2B cells or the follicular B cells. The first difference we will notice is that the B cells are mostly, these B1B cells are mostly located in the pleural cavity that is around the chest and in the peritoneal cavities that is around the abdomen. There aren't many B1A cells in the spleen. Other aspects that differ from B2B cells is that the B1A repertoire is limited, which means they don't have as much diversity in their B cell receptor like the follicular B cells do. Oh, why is that? Yeah, that is a good question. They, these B1 cells have very specific light and heavy chains that are rearranged and on top of that they don't express TDT which is one of these enzymes required for adding N nucleotide diversity so this makes them less diverse compared to the B2B cells. If they have a limited BCR repertoire what do these B cells recognize? Despite their limited BCR diversity these cells can still recognize self-carbohydrate and lipid antigens such as phosphatidylcholine exposed on aged erythrocytes and apoptotic cells. This allows these B cells to make antibodies that help in tagging dead cell debris which eventually gets cleared out by macrophages. Well, I'll, I'll add a cool fact here. Certain autoimmune diseases are linked to defective or inability of our cells to, to clear out dead cell debris. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So apart from dead cell debris, B1A cells can also recognize certain bacterial and viral antigens. So you may think that they are not as useful as B2 cells, but it looks like they have their own portfolio of uh, tasks to do. One outstanding characteristic of these cells is the fact that they can secrete antibodies in the absence of antigenic stimulation. These antibodies are called natural antibodies. The fact that these B cells can produce antigens even in the absence of antigen or T cell co-stimulation makes them a hybrid cell type between the adaptive and the innate immune system as they are secreting uh, constant amount of natural antibodies that protect us from different infections and also tag our dead cells for sure. Other different characteristic of these B cells is their origin. As most of the B1 cells originate during the embryonic development, B1A cells are self-renewable in the periphery 
and their population is not dependent on the hematopoietic stem cell compartment in the bone marrow. Yep, you heard it right. These cells take a completely different development path than what we have talked about in this episode and in the previous one. This population is still enigmatic and an active area of research. We just know so little about these cells. It would actually be a pretty good episode to do like um, embryonic development of the immune system. But I'm yeah. just, yeah, I'm just blown away that these B cells don't even depend on T cells for help or even an antigen. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And now that we have learned about interesting characteristics of B1 cells, specifically B1A cells, let's talk about marginal zone B cells. The marginal zone B cells, also called MZ B cells, receive their name by their location in the marginal zone the outer region of the white pulp of the spleen. Their function has been described on recognizing blood-borne antigens. This is different from what the follicular B cells or the B2 B cells typically respond to, which is antigens that are brought in by the lymphatics to the follicles. Something similar between marginal zone and B1 B cells is that they can produce antibodies in absence of T cell help as well. Regarding their origin, Marginal B cells are derived from hematopoietic stem cells like the follicular B2 cells and they also arise from T2 transitional population. Wow, so we just learned about B2 B cells, B1 B cells, and marginal B cells all in one episode. Dara, do you want to give us some comparison between B and T cell development as we wrap up this series on lymphocyte development? Sure, let's get into it. In closing this episode, it might be useful for our audience to reconsider points of comparison between the development of the two arms of the adaptive immune system, B and T cells. Both cell lineages start their journey in the fetus and the neonate. And in the neonate, gamma delta T cells and B1B cells are separated by their own particular peripheral niches to function as self-renewing populations until the death of the host. It's kind of funny how the delta gamma uh, B cells or gamma delta are so perfectly analogous to the B1 B cells. Both of these appearing so early during development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the gamma delta don't need to interact with MHC molecules to do their thing. And here, B1 cells don't need help from T cells to do their thing. Now that you guys mention it, these two populations do seem analogous. In the adult animal, B and T cell development continue in the bone marrow, as you know so well. But at this point now, starting with hematopoietic stem cells, B and T cells share the early phases of their developmental programs as they pass through progressively differentiated stages as multipotential progenitor cells or MPPs, lymphoid-primed multipotential progenitors or LMPPs, and the early lymphoid progenitor cell ELPs. At the ELP and common lymphoid progenitors or CLP stages, the T cell progenitors leave the bone marrow and migrate to the thymus to complete their development, leaving a B cell progenitor behind. In mammals, B cells do not have an organ analogous to the thymus in which B cells develop and mature to functioning cells, uh, but even though birds do, and this organ is called the bursa of the fabricious, and this is where the B in B cells come from. I did not know that. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know birds had their own little bursa. I thought, oh my God, this is amazing. Okay. 
It's one of the first thing I learned in immunology, but I honestly did not know what bursa meant. I just learned it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, they say, they say B, B is for bone marrow. No, it's for bursa, but I didn't know bursa was from birds. Wow. Mm-hmm. B cells are for the birds. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> And with the initiation of VDJ recombination, the B cell irreversibly commits uh, to its lineage and begins the process of receptor rearrangement. followed by the B cell selection and differentiation that will culminate in the formation of complete repertoire of functioning with B cells. B cells and T cells must go must both pass through stages of positive selection in which those cells capable of receiving signals are retained at the expense of those which cannot. And these cells must also survive the process of negative selection in which lymphocytes with high affinity to self-antigen are deleted. The mechanism of positive selection in B cell development remains one of the least characterized processes in B cell development. And unlike T cells, B cells do not undergo a strict selection with the with respect to their ability to bind to self antigens. But how, uh, what happens to T1 cells in the spleen? You ask. While it's similar, it's way less strict because it is only it only screens for antigens that happen to be in the spleen. Unlike the thymocytes. Where the air expressed by the mTEGs screens for, you know, every possible antigen our genome encodes for, and there is also no equivalent of the air protein for B cell selection that has yet been discovered to provide for the ectopic expression of antigens in the bone marrow in order to facilitate clonal deletion of self-antigen-specific B cells, and these remain for you future B cell biologists to be investigated. With high levels of IgD expressed on the cell surface. And the necessary adhesion molecules to direct this recirculation, development of mature follicular B2 cell is complete for a few weeks to months, and it will recirculate and ready for antigen contact in the context of T cell health and subsequent differentiation to antibody-producing factories. And for the final antigen-stimulated stages of B cell differentiation, we will discuss that in future episodes. Dara, that was a great comparison. I also mm-hmm. wonder that the reason we know so much more about B2 cells or the follicular B cells compared to B1 and the marginal zone B cells is because these are the typical B cells that help us in getting our immunity when we are immunized. So they probably are more relevant to human health, like especially overtly when we think of it. Of course, I'm sure B1 and MCB are doing something in the hindsight, like in the background, but we don't appreciate as much. Well, I think. Yeah, that's. I think that's true of anything that is more innate. Like, like we were always more interested in adaptive immunity, and you see more labs studying adaptive immunity when, in fact, the innate immunity is doing like most of the heavy lifting. In fact, if you were missing innate immune cells or genes responsible for those, most of the time you just die, like either as、yeah. a baby or an embryo, and that's why.、Mm-hmm. You know, we don't seem to see a lot of diseases associated with it, whereas we see a lot associated with adaptive immunity. So,、yeah. just because you don't know about it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Yeah, and you're、mm-hmm. right that innate is the first line of defense. It's because of the innate that the adaptive gets all the time to rev up its defense. If the innate wasn't holding off the pathogen, we would be dead before we have antibodies coming out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so now to end the episode, Natalie, how can we summarize everything we have talked about today? Okay, well,、uh, I've got a couple of bullet points for you. One, 
The three major subsets of mature B cells, according to their development route, are B1 B cells, follicular B cells, and marginal zone B cells. These cell types also differ in their BCR diversity, anatomical niche, and the requirement for T cell help. Now, immature B cells emerge from the bone marrow as transitional 1, that's T1 B cells, to circulate to the spleen. The interaction with self-antigens in the spleen can cause apoptosis of T1 B cells to prevent autoimmunity. Surviving T1 B cells then enter the follicles, where the level of IgD expression increases. They finally become T2 cells and then enter into either a follicular B2 cell, which is, you know, the conventional B cell we all know and love, or become a marginal zone MCB cell. Unlike T cells, B cells do not need to be selected for their ability to recognize antigens in the context of MHC antigens, nor is there any primary immune organ like a thymus, at least in mammals, specialized for their maturation, aside from the bone marrow, which helps with all the lymphoid stuff. So that's that's all you need to know, I think. I have one more thing. What if they're called marginal zone B cells because they have been marginalized by the immunologists? Those poor <laughs> MCB cells. <laughs> okay, I think this would be a good point to wrap up the discussion. Thanks a lot, Dara and Natalie, for this wonderful discussion. For our audience, if you're interested to know more about our science communication endeavors, please check out antibodies.org. You can find our blogs, journal clubs, and podcasts there. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can email us at antibodies1 at gmail.com. With that, I'm your host, Jatin Sharma, signing off until we meet again. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.